heartbreak kid. Okay, strategy we're gonna follow. First of all, follow the lead of the heartbreak kid, all right? Now with y'all's talent and my leadership, we should have no problem eliminating the bad guys, all right? I'm ready. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna take this thing home. I'm the man. Uh, I'll take care of the family. I'll take double J. Yeah. Yo, 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 yo. First thing we do, we take out Big Daddy Cool. Okay. All for one, one for all. Yeah! What tonight comes down to is a matter of principle and a matter of pride. There's yeah. something in this world you just can't put a price on. So what's it all about? It's all about money. And we're going to show the whole world tonight that where the true power lies. It's right here. The almighty dog. <laughs> okay, guys, are you ready? Tonight's the night! Yeah, we're gonna have some fun! Yeah. It's a virus! Don't you guys embarrass me out there. I'm in it, Cheesy, this is serious! Hey, get that camera out of here! on Diesel. So, you know he wears the uh, tight little leotard top kind of thing? Yeah. Do you reckon that's a full body suit? <laughs> Do you reckon he's effectively wearing what Earthquake and Typhoon wore? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I think so as well. I don't know why that just popped into my head, but I never really thought of that because he's very tight and mm. he doesn't ever lose any... It's never not tight. Either that or he's got one end shoved up his ass. I put my daughter in quite a lot of things like that, like tops that yeah. clip. And I reckon it's got three little poppers underneath the crotch. <laughs> in I the know. gusset. In the gusset. And he has to get someone else to do it. He's like... It's Jeff Jarrett again. Oh, yeah. It's definitely Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> this, this is Jeff Jarrett with, with wonderful hair, is what it's like. He's there like going, oi, nice hair. Come over here and pop me gusset. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Random Wrestling Review as we roll into Survivor Series season. And with that sibilance still ringing in your ears, let me introduce you to my co-hosts. Firstly, we have a man whose fans, known as the Krusties, celebrate their hero by shaving their heads <laughs> and repeating the mantra, lovely old job, it's old man, Sam Carey. How are you doing, old man? Oh, I'm not, I'll tell you what, mate, I'm doing all right, but those Krusties, <laughs> they've been gathering outside the flat. They got up on the balcony, I don't know how they got in. You know what I think it was? It was that bloody Matt Roberts and that James Truepenny let him in. <laughs> the dirty little sods with their bloody dicks and their asses out. No, I, I, dirty little buggers. <laughs> I uh, I actually uh, left it on a men's room stall oh, <laughs> in, a, in a questionable Tommy. venue in town. So there you well, go, that's where it is. Well, in fairness, I still stand by the fact that Truepenny and Roberts let him in because they would have probably seen it in their dirty sods. Well, I'm pretty sure they would they would have shared it on their social media accounts. So. Yeah, it's last thing, the lads, no. I mean, to be um, fair, who can blame them? Because the Krusties, 
We're a bloody tough crew to control, but they can be controlled by love. And also, you've heard his voice already. We have a man who would have legions of fans, but his name is so common, nobody can find him online. It's Tom Smith. Tom, how are you doing? It's true. I am actually an enigma. I've been, I've been, when I used to work in a uh, call centre, I had many, many people phone up to complain about many things, not just myself. But whenever I gave them my name, they'd say, no, it's not. I said, no, no, honestly, my name's Tom Smith. And they go, no, it's not. Give us your real name. And one guy actually demanded to speak to my manager once because <laughs> he just wouldn't trust, he wouldn't believe me. But that is my name. And I'll challenge anybody to tell me otherwise. I'll be honest. That's very rude, isn't it? Imagine right. not giving them your real name. <laughs> yeah, the, so there's another story I got, which is uh, which is always makes you chuckle. So there's a guy who I work with. His name's his name's Brett actually, and quite often I'll say Brett, go get him, champ, and he'll look at me with a bit of confusion. Don't really know what's going on. But he sent an email to uh, to someone, um, giving them some bad news, and the guy, uh, the person responded saying, um, "This is what you get. This is what you get. This is what you get for the civil service. You pay peanuts, you get monkeys." And Brett, what kind of a name is that? <laughs> i will say this old man is recovering physically from a marathon this morning i mean he didn't do it this morning he did it yesterday but he is recovering today and um i imagine he might talk some bullshit during the show just because he's he's probably half delirious i got a feeling we're gonna get a little bit of that today in fairness they're gonna notice any fucking difference aren't they (laughs) once while venus was on all bets were off like these shit houses, I ain't fucking worried about them. <laughs> so you don't, you don't need to, rec- you, you can quit now, can't you? Yeah. <laughs> Storms off the podcast. Don't need it anymore. I could put in my life's work. I've discussed yeah, ugliness and the public have heard. But I have to stay in for the crusties. <laughs> Indeed. Now, if you're listening to us for the first time, you may have happened upon us by accident in some interweb backwater. So why not subscribe to the pod and then have a browse to our back ca- catalogue where you can find episodes focusing on shows by WWE, WCW, ECW, NXT and AEW stretching all the way back to 1985 and right up to just a few months ago. So today we are covering WWE Survivor Series 1994, the first of three Survivor Series shows we'll be covering. Uh, as we are in the season, as I said earlier on. Can I, I've got a, uh, a mental image, Tinky, of you watching this show. You were sat in front of a roaring fireplace. Your dog, Joey, sat at your feet, like obedient lad that he is. You've got your favourite jumper on, a pair of slippers, and a, and a bottle of your favourite drink. And you sat there, content, having the time of your life. Because this is your happy place, isn't it? It, it is it is it is my happy place although there was a lot of that mental image that's just so far off it's almost as if you don't know me like as if <laughs> for example i'd ever wear a pair of slippers like that's just not going to happen ever I, I never wear slippers ever and joey is very definitely not obedient <laughs> <laughs> so apart from that it was all going very well and yes this is in my happy place it is the survivors of united four and i guess I'll go into my expectations, I guess, before the show, given that that's where we're going with this. Because, um, yeah, I I owned this on VHS. It was one of the first VHS videos of wrestling I owned. And I have therefore watched this show about 14 million times. And I knew exactly what to expect and was thinking, this ain't a very good show. This ain't a very good show at all. (laughs) So um, I was like, well, let's just see. Let's give it one more chance to see if this particular viewing will surprise me given the number of times i watched it before i mean admittedly i won't have watched it for about 15 to 20 years possibly even longer 
but I have watched it an awful lot. We last time you would have watched it probably would have been when you and I started watching uh, every WWF pay per view chronologically, and I think we gave up about a year, a WWE year after this pay per view itch, I think. So I reckon it would have been about ten years ago. I reckon when we moved in together, maybe a little bit longer, twelve years perhaps. I, I think we did that though before either of us had moved out of our parents' mm. houses. Yeah, I think we started, but we carried on. We But we probably would have watched this before we lived together. I think you're right, yeah. One thing I knew for definite, no matter how good or bad it was, I wouldn't be bored. You can't sit through something that many times and and not be like oh well this is fine you know this is not gonna this is you know even even if you know it's crap you know there's going to be a certain amount of affinity you've got for it so i wasn't too worried about it what about yourself old man so we touched upon this in the previous episode i don't think that 94 wwe is very good you boys got a bit agitated about that but i stand by it i'm a bit reticent to say this especially to you two boys i've never been sure about a survivor series because I find the multi-Survivor Series elimination matches can be very tiring because you know they're going to probably go 20 minutes and there's usually no... Well, this is going on post this period, I must say. There's normally very little rhyme or reason for the teams to be together. And I was anticipating three or four of these matches. Well, pretty much those matches and then a main event because I can remember what was on the card. I don't think I've ever watched it before either. But I wasn't very excited, I must say. But my eyes were open, and so was my anus. Every single week. (laughs) (laughs) We briefly discussed this after we went off air last week, that I could confidently not watch this and still be able to have some stuff to talk about on this podcast. I have watched it you'll be pleased to know in fact i've literally just finished watching it my expectations of it were for a start unlike your man i fucking love a survivor series and the reason why i love them is because of what you just said no rhyme or reason for the teams to be thrown together you got to see people in environments with other people that you didn't get to see regularly and mm. that's part of the part of the reason why i like it so much there's a couple of matches on it that i can remember being really good there's a couple of matches that I remember being really bad, but that is looking at it through a very rose-tinted glasses. So it, it was it was going to be a case of, let's, let's get going. I know there's one particular bit that me and Tinky have always found incredibly funny in the first match, so I was looking forward to talking about that, if nothing else. So, um, yeah, let's, let's, fucking, let's, let's get our bollocks out, lads, and have a little chat about this, shall we? I think also I should mention that a thing that we find very funny in the first match is actually more funny the way we do it than the way it's actually done. In, in the it's, complete, it's completely misremembered, isn't it? <laughs> what, what we have, because what they actually see doesn't doesn't happen, what we always thought they said. So, yeah. Yeah, that's very true. Um, and also the thing about Survivor Series matches, and I think maybe the thing is, is that it depended on whether you were really into the Survivor Series in the old days. If you had one of the really old ones on VHS, I think you're more likely to really like mm. it than you are if your main experience of Survivor Series matches come... You know, when wrestling had broken down those barriers and there weren't so many um, squash matches on television. And so you regularly had multi-man, six-man tag, eight-man tag matches on Raw between mm. important wrestlers. If you did that, Survivor Series then doesn't isn't as important because obviously you don't have those interesting things where people come together where they wouldn't usually do. An excellent point that you've just made that I think is exactly the reason why. I think you've nailed it without even realising that is why I think, yeah, because they're always chucking bloody tosses together, aren't they? Yeah. And exactly. having like six people tagged for no fucking reason. We, we want that once a year on a nice cold November. 
with Gorilla Monsoon and Jesse Ventura talking over it. Mm. That's well, we get you, we get you half of the way here on mm. this show because Gorilla Monsoon is on commentary along with Vince McMahon, who opens the broadcast by yelping the words "Stay of Texas." Apparently, that's how you open a show is by saying the name of the state that you're in. I didn't realise this was Vince and Gorilla Monsoon. I thought this was two cowboys, the way they were dressed. <laughs> My word. I mean, we talked about JR and Michael Cole's denim WWE shirts a couple of weeks ago. These guys are dressed to the nines, possibly even the tens. I love that the, the, uh, the Gorilla shirt has got a sunset on it. It's very <laughs> atmospheric. And he's also got a magnificent bolo tie on. And a, an enormous, and we don't see it now, I don't think, but I think I really noticed it there, an enormous belt buckle. Absolutely yes. gargantuan. It's like a dinner plate. It's fantastic. <laughs> Go on, Gorilla. Uh, after you said that about the Cowboys, old man, I was trying to look for uh, some uh, uh, some kind of image or something that showed me the. I'm pretty certain they call each other alternative names in the countdown show before this show goes on air. So obviously on the VHS. You have the countdown to Survivor Series as well. And there's a bit where Todd Pettengill comes down to the ring on a horse. And, <laughs> there is. Yeah. and I'm pretty sure that Vince McMahon says, I, I'm Tex McMahon and this is, I don't know, Gorilla the Kid. And we've got, I don't know, Todd. <laughs> er, <Pedo. coming. laughs> no. Um, <laughs> I, just Jesse James Todd Pettengill or something like that. Yeah. And, um, and uh, and I was trying to find out what they were, but I couldn't. In the small amount of time I had to respond, couldn't find oh, it. That's poor, Tinky. That's poor. They love a bit of that. Because I can remember uh, Gorilla Monsoon, uh, Survivor Series 89, refers to Jesse Ventura as Jesse the Pilgrim Ventura. It's funny because the images I have got in front of me are, I've written Vince McMahon and Gorilla Monsoon, Survivor Series 1994. The images that come up, one of them is Gorilla Monsoon and Jesse Ventura with Jesse Ventura in his pilgrim hat. <laughs> That's amazing. It's amazing. They should put the countdowns on the WWE Network. I, they probably are somewhere, I'd imagine. Um, and I actually think for this particular show, you need it because there is no preamble to any of the matches on this no. broadcast. Um, and so and it, this so this was kind of a unique viewing for me because usually I'd watch the, the, the countdown first, being that I had the VHS. And um, that just informed everything else. But obviously on the actual pay-per-view, you don't get it. There's something I wanted to talk about as well with regards to the way Vince is with Gorilla Monsoon. It's actually quite sweet in a way, which is a very strange thing to say about Vince. But he he looks like a guy whose favourite uncle has just turned up and he's really <laughs> pleased to see him. Like he just he's so happy to be stood next to Gorilla and them doing the commentary together. In fact, one of these pictures again is just a picture of Monsoon on the mic while Vince is just smiling, a very, very natural, organic smile. You can tell there's a lot of love there, and he obviously really reveres him as someone who did a lot of good work for him for a very long time. On the commentary team, it is a little bit weird having to like complete overtly baby faces, but for me, it actually quite works. Now, whether or not this is just nostalgia kicking in, I'd be interested to know what old man's thoughts are, but I think they play off each other really well. And um, it is quite interesting because obviously at the time it would have been probably uh, Jerry Lawler on commentary, but obviously he's he's in a match on the show, a great match on the show. <laughs> um, and um, there would also be other people on commentary at the time, such as I know that uh, Ted DiBiase did some commentary at some point. I know Mr. Perfect did around around this time. Obviously, Randy Savage did. I think he may have left at this point. So it it, it seems to me it was a little bit of like a 
who can we who can we trust? Who can we who's reliable? Let's get Gorilla in. And Vince was like, Yeah, let's have a lovely time, me and Gorilla. Or actually no, right. he probably thought, let's have a lovely time. I fancy a bit of Gorilla on this one. <laughs> on your point about the uh heel and face and the face double face, double face, double face dynamic. I don't mind a double face. What I don't like is when they shoehorn the heels in, which is what we've had a lot of recently, where they're like, right, we need a heel. So Michael Cole, evil Michael Cole, we've had. JBL being confused the other week, whether he was heel or face or whatever. I'd much rather have two little... This is like these lads together are like the left and the right slipper. Lovely old job. Or the left and the right completely barefoot because he's a savage, if you're thinking. <laughs> well, he wears socks. I just don't wear slippers. Do you wear those toasties? I have got a pair of, uh, not toast, but but a pair of very warm socks with like grip underneath. Because I I do, the reason why I don't wear socks is knocking around the house because I'm worried about slipping in like the kitchen or the bathroom because they're the only non-carpeted rooms. But I'm I'm terrified of slipping in those rooms. And then you'd be shouting at Jade, I'm slipping, I'm falling, I can't get up. I'm slipping, I'm falling, I can't get up. You're like, why, why do you always insist on rapping DMX songs when you're injured, Tom? I'm <laughs> so going, ah. <laughs> I've fallen and I can't get up. <laughs> no, I was uh, I was going to say that um, you it feels like you've got a bit of an over, I don't know, a bit of over a phobia in many respects of the slippage. I'm not really sure it's that likely. No, also, the reason why I always wear slippers or shoes in the house is I hate stubbing my toe. And I tend to do that quite a lot if I don't. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I just don't, don't look where I'm walking, basically. <laughs> Which is brilliant when you're carrying a fucking baby. Sorry. Um, yeah, yeah the, the commentary team. So, yeah, you're right. First of all, it would have been Savage, but he's left for WSW by this point. They would also have had Jim Ross, but he was... So he was fired in February of 94... They rehired during Vince McMahon's court case, steroid trial, which happened in 94. And then as soon as Vince was acquitted, he was off again. He was bombed off again. They brought him back, rehired him in December of 94. So just after this, in fairness, and then he was there for the long run. But yeah, so that's why we've got Vince and Gorilla, because Jerry Lawler is also in a match himself. So let's get into the first match, shall we? Opener of the night sees Diesel, Shawn Michaels, Jeff Jarrett, Owen Hart and Jim Neidhart. Versus Razor Ramon, one, two, three, kid, Davy Boy Smith, and the Head Shrinkers. Now, how do you want me to go through this? Because obviously we've got multiple uh, eliminations, and I could just list them off very quickly, or you could tell me if there's any in particular you'd like to talk about. I suggest we you rail them off, and then we talk about the bits we want to talk about. I don't know about you boys, but I really struggled. Like I didn't know how to approach taking my notes. Yes, yeah. because <laughs> um, there's so much happening. But I think that might that might work. What do you reckon, old man? Yeah, I mean, I've got no notes on when people are eliminated. Fine. So the first elimination comes at 13 and a half minutes, and it is Fatu, and he is eliminated by Diesel. Now, what had happened prior to this is that Diesel had not been in the ring, nor had Shawn Michaels, and the heels had mainly uh, relied upon the other three to do all the work. Eventually, however, Fatu um, was in the midst of fighting uh, Owen Hart, I believe, and he got the tag to Diesel. Diesel came in, powerbombed him, and took the first elimination. It then follows that there is a flurry of eliminations as he takes out the one, two, three kid. He takes out Sione, also with Jackknife, Jackknife powerbombs. And eventually the British Bulldog is counted out when after Diesel delivers a big boot, 
the rest of the heel clan attack Bulldog on the outside. And the referee decides that that's fair game and he's going to count him out. I'm not really sure how. <laughs> so those are the first four eliminations, effectively, and they're all baby faces. It leaves Razor Ramon on his own with all five of the heels. Do you want to talk about the stuff that I've just talked about first? OK, so first of all, why are they called the Teamsters? Isn't, wasn't that like a mobbed up union? That like got Jimmy Hoffa killed, and is that is that what the plot of the Irishman's about? So, so um, for a start, I wanted to watch Shawn Michaels hair with his awful <laughs> plaited ponytail. Oh. It is so weird, and he also looks really weird because I'm going to put it out there, he is aggressively clean shaven as well. <laughs> hang looks, on, hang on, aggressively clean shaven. It looks it looks like there's been a top layer of skin has come off. You know what I mean? Like, it looks so weird because don't get me wrong, Shawn Michaels was clean shaven at times, but it just I think because because his hair is not going over his face at all or anything at any point, he just looks really weird. There's a lot of face on display from Shawn Michaels, which is really really weird. Um, he <laughs> so hang is, on. We've had we've had too much leg on show, too much arm on show. Now we've well, we'll too that much later. face on show. <laughs> Far too much face. I'm sure Michael's absolutely ridiculous. The uh, head shrinkers having trouble with their football, footwear because old uh, what's his fucking name, Captain Lou Albano, is trying to try to make them to be less than the savages that they already are and get them to wear footwear, which we'll get onto later on in the match. Uh, Jeff Jarrett's new single is on the NAA label. Not available anywhere. Quips <laughs> Gorilla at one point, which is amazing. In terms of Sunni, it's not my favourite incarnation of the Barbarian, if I'm being honest. <laughs> I quite, I quite like, preferred him when he was the, the Barbarian in The Powers of Pain, if I'm being honest. There's a lovely bit in kind of after, like, there's been a couple of tags and, and a bit of action going on. And there's a lovely little exchange between uh, Bulldog and Owen, where they're blatantly like, God, let's show these fucking cunts how it's done. God, let's put on a show, please, because there's some, some amazing technical wrestling. Some fit, so Bulldog does like an impressive like headstand escape sort of thing, which is really good. And then we get the bit of commentary, Tinky, which is when uh, Vince Man says, it looks like Jeff Jarrett will be singing the blues. And Gorilla goes, it looks like he's shitting. And Vince goes, what? And he goes, it looks like he's shedding, Vince. <laughs> he could he could be molting. Yeah, exactly. It's so good. It's, it looks like he's shitting. Oh fuck me! It kills me every time I watch it. Oh, it's magnificent. He definitely says that. Yeah. There's like there's no way because I'd never heard it before and I had that written down. See, this isn't the thing that we mistook. This is the this is what I want to be clear. The shedding thing, which is what he's saying, shedding. But that's not the thing we've always thought was funny. Because no, I know. The... I've got that. I've got that note later as well. Go on then, Tom. You carry on. Sorry. Well, the line that I always thought we laughed at was, <laughs> is, uh, after that move, Jeff Jarrett will be singing soprano in the school choir. Then uh, Gorilla goes, he could be singing the blues. <laughs> but that doesn't happen. No, it doesn't. <laughs> and that's what's so disappointing. I don't know where we got that from. Maybe it was on the video. Maybe it's been cut out or something. But I'm sure they used to say that. I think I got a feeling this is a mix up in our heads between um, something that said in Red Dwarf and this line <coughs> of commentary. I think that's what it is. Really? Because there's a bit in Red Dwarf when he's talking about singing soprano in the school choir, the cat saying it. And then and then this obviously does say he could be singing the blues in this in this commentary. And I just think we put them together. Them together. Yeah. Too fair, that's that's fair. And and just the one thing that I wanted to to kind of um to come before before like you guys go in, there is a a very impressive vertical suplex on the anvil by the bulldog, which I was like, fair play. I mean, anvil's one of these guys, but he's he's not massive, but he just looks like he's really heavy. Do you know what I mean? He's just an absolute a rhino. <laughs> 
as uh, <laughs> as such you would say um and he looks like a rhino and he must probably weigh about as much as a rhino so fair play to the ball goodness those steroids did something didn't they um <laughs> so he did a, he did a good job in getting him up there but i i quite enjoyed this match like it's and i'm watching it as well at the same time and i'm also thinking oh my god Razor Ramon's the fucking coolest man in the entire world. <laughs> I'm just watching it thinking, oh my god, imagine like as a heel when he came in, he was he was pretty good. But when he becomes a babyface, and this era specifically in 1994, Razor Ramon is fucking amazing. And I always I always quite often think whenever I see a Razor Ramon matching and go through this thought process, is that I'm like, imagine if he hadn't jumped ship to WCW and how an incredible a run he could have had in WWF as like their main babyface and not gone down to WCW and admittedly had a phenomenal run down in WCW until it all went to shit. But Razor Ramon's just amazing. He's so fucking good. And I, I overlook it sometimes because I think of his later career and think a bit of a waste of space. But <laughs> looking at him in 94 as Razor Ramon, he's a potential goat. Uh, Tom's just um, delivered an impressive like eight or nine minute monologue there about his thoughts yeah. about this old man. <laughs> I'm a bit confused because Fatu does some dancing He's not wearing any sunglasses. Not sure how that happens. So obviously we know the power of the sunglasses gets him going. So there's some old school stuff in here that I very much appreciate. And the main thing that I really appreciate is the help with the abdominal stretch spot <laughs> where someone gets help from a tag team partner. Absolutely lovely stuff. Admittedly, they, they do it for about three minutes. It's even wearing off on me at that point. But always love it. Great pop when Diesel and Bulldog face off. A very excellent pop. And I was like, you know what? Oh, I mind seeing those big cunts go on it. But they don't really for very long. I'm a bit disappointed. Before we get into the finish, what one thing I like about this, and but going back to my point about, oh, they just chuck a load of cunts together and then they have a match. There's lots of little subplots going on here. Because you've got three tag teams and the tag champs are in there. The IC champ and the person who we beat and then you've got Michaels and Diesel. There's a little bit of tension, bit of tension. Bulldog and Owen, obviously involved in the title match, being outside. It's just beautiful stuff. Really, really good stuff. And by this point, I've got a Survivor Series semi on, to be honest. <laughs> we'll have to see if it goes full bone yet. Can I just make a comment I forgot to mention in my enormous monologue? <laughs> um, it's something I've noticed in the past, but I never felt the need to comment on it until now. Diesel spends a lot of time adjusting his trousers. Mm. He's really not happy with his waistline all the time, constantly mucking about with his trousers. And I'll, t- I'll tell you something else as well. He is fucking shit. <laughs> That's it. And I'm a double. <laughs> so uh, I wanted to go back to Shawn Michaels' hair because, you know what, yeah. it's not just long and plaited. It's a fucking mullet with a long yeah. plait. At the, mm. it's, oh, it's fucking horrible. I think this is the worst haircut <laughs> we've seen. Head on, head on. If you remove the the plan, you can't see it. He just looks like a really normal looking guy because he's just got quite short with (laughs) with, almost with curtains. And it's just, oh, it's just horrible. It's everything about it is fucking horrible. It looks like normal hair with a ponytail on the back, doesn't it? Like a normal yeah. haircut, a normal horrible haircut, but it's with the added addition of a ponytail. Yeah, a normal haircut with a massive plaited ha- um, ponytail on the back. Very, very strange. Very, <laughs> yeah. very strange. You know what? I can only imagine that there's a competition going on for shit haircuts because it's only two months after this we see Todd Bettingale's mullet at the Rumble 95. We'll discuss this in a minute, but it's in its infancy on this pay-per-view. <laughs> yes. I'll tell you that much. 
and it, I, you know also to that point it feels like we've come full circle today a little bit because obviously we started rumble 95 this is the show the pay-per-view before that so it feels a bit yeah. like we've come a little bit full circle today mm-hmm. um so also then uh after that so basically we're down to razor ramon against all five of the hills and diesel he's got is, no chance he's got no chance at all uh, diesel is beating him down he's got him pretty much finished in the middle of the ring diesel manages to hit his jackknife powerbomb and then Shawn Michaels insists on being tagged in for the first time in the match. Michaels tags himself in and then immediately calls for Diesel to get back into the ring and lift him up so that Shawn Michaels can do the old switching music on him. Then, as he does it, Razor Ramon manages to duck and Shawn Michaels kicks Diesel. This is the third time we are told on commentary that this has happened in recent months. It happened at the SummerSlam 94 match between Razor Ramon and Diesel, where Diesel lost the Intercontinental title. And um, and a subsequent time as well. And now Diesel this time has decided he's had enough. It's the straw that's broken the camel's back. They are then held apart by the, the heels, but Shawn Michaels backs off to go backstage. Diesel chases after him and the other heels are trying to get them to come back to the ring. All the while, Razor Ramon is left in the ring and the referee is counting each member of the heel team out. And when Diesel and Shawn Michaels finally leave, the other three Heels come back to the ring, but find that they have lost the match and have all been counted by the referee. Um, I've got a problem with this finish. You can't count all of them out. You need to count them in turn. It should have been a 50-second count. Because you can't count one of them out, because the cunts wouldn't have been in the ring anyway. You then count out someone else, and then you count someone else out. A bit in this. I, I was more disappointed in myself that I realised it. But I did love Owen shouting, we're going to lose the match as they're <laughs> fighting to the back. So in my mind, this bit goes on for quite a while. And I think it probably does go on for about a minute. Them going up things. So I think it is feasible that he counted to 10, five times. Yeah, they don't do a great so. job of explaining that. But that's that's how that's how the you know 10-year-old me rationalised it. And as everyone knows, when you form opinions at 10, you stick with them. <laughs> <laughs> I've always I've always been in the opinion that he just counted each one and, and got to ten so. and then counted the next one. But he does do it very, very fast. I don't think usually you would get ten counts this fast that would mean they'd all be counted mm. out. But who's referee Jack Down though? He wanted to he wanted to have a little little snifter afterwards, I expect, a little drink. Nice little nice little beer with razor afterwards. Who wouldn't? So yeah, he had a, he, he had a, he had ulterior motives. <laughs> And I just didn't like the end very much, if I'm honest. I just, I just, I think the problem is, I mean, the match goes 21 minutes, 45 seconds. So it's not short, but I thought it was going up, going along at a fair old lick. I thought it was pretty damn good. I just thought I want another 20 minutes of this. I, I was really into it this time around. I was like, I re- like you said, the bit, the bit of British border going out in heart. There was some really lovely stuff. Even Jeff Jarrett was, was performing. I thought it was great. <laughs> and I yeah. thought, and I thought some Shawn Michaels, if, if you could get him involved in the match a bit, you've got one, two, three kid, David Boy Smith, and Razor, Razor Ramon on the other side of the ring. This this could be a classic. It's going to be an excellent match. And it then it ends with this kind of, oh, yeah, everyone gets counted out. Not that I didn't know this. Obviously, I knew this was going to happen. <laughs> but I was still a little bit like looking at it now. I think it was a shame. This this had real potential to be something very special indeed. And in the end, it kind of just ended, ended with a, a whimper, which is a shame. There's a lot of talent in that ring. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That maybe could have, to be fair, 
if they were going to keep it this short, they could have distributed it a bit more evenly throughout the rest of the card and during a certain other Survivor Series match that uh, we will come to later. But no, I really loved this match. I remember when I was a kid loving this match and loving the ending because it was insurmountable. That's the only way that Razor could win. And I'm th- I'm still watching this, wanting all the good guys to win and wanting all the bad guys to get their comeuppance. So I'm still I'm still loving it because that's the only way that he could win. And, that, and I'm sticking to it. I thought this was uh, what you said, Tinky. Bang on. I wrote enjoyable stuff. Another 10 minutes would have been amazing. Mm. Yeah, but uh, very enjoyable. Don't get me wrong. But yeah, I also, uh, I just don't like Diesel. I don't like him coming in and beating everyone up. Like, fuck off, Diesel. But I love the I love the shit with him and Sean. I thought Shawn Michaels was fantastic on the apron through the whole match. He was incredible. And so I know we've got problems with his hair. <laughs> Big fucking yeah. problems, mate. He's but <laughs> he's so good on the outside because he's such a cunt. But it, 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 and his hair makes him look like a cunt. That's, he's been worked by his hair. That's what I was gonna say. It, it, but it ties into everything, doesn't it? Like, it's he is so obnoxious. He's going when when it's only comes down to when it comes down to um Razor versus the entire team. He is walking a, a he being Shawn Michaels is walking around the entire ring to yell at stuff at Diesel. And I'm like, do you know what? That's good shit out of that is. That's Jamie Vardy esque. That is the sort of thing he'd do. Let's not forget as well. This is effectively the beginning of the build for WrestleMania 11 and the the world title match at WrestleMania 11 mm. because that is Diesel versus Shawn Michaels. And in fairness, the bit with Diesel kind of ruins it because he just tears through the team and you're kind of like, we had four, 13 minutes of really exciting action. If everyone is made to feel like they're on a par, then this match could be really, really excellent and could go for some time. But in fairness, the most realised part of this match is getting over how excellent Diesel is. They've really put Diesel over. They are about to make him world champion. So in fairness, it makes perfect sense to do what they do, even though it does mean that the match ends a little bit less uh, impressively than it could do. After the match, uh, Shawn Michaels is... um, is running away and Todd Pettengale manages to get a little word with him backstage as Shawn Michaels is trying to make his uh, an, uh, exit. Um, he tells Todd that Diesel turned his back on him, says Diesel is a zero without him, and he chucks the tag title down, which he and Diesel obviously own because they are the champions, and drives off um, as Todd Pettengale is trying to get more words with him. There's a couple of bits in this that I quite like. I like the fact that he calls Diesel a leech, which I enjoy. It's just a nice, nice phrase. Um, and he's like, oh, I can't be dealing with this, this tag team malarkey. Or not that he doesn't say malarkey, but he's, he's like, I can't be dealing with this tag team nonsense. Your partner always lets you down. And I was like, hello. That's a lovely little callback that is. And, and I love the fact that he's, as the heel, rewriting history in that he always gets betrayed by his tag team partner. I thought it was great. Oh, and also Todd Pettengill's wearing a crap hat. That's taken my line. Oh, sorry, mate. He's- yeah, he's, he's just, why? Why is he wearing such a crap hat? I bet, I'll bet the cowboy budget was spent on Gorilla's top, I reckon. <laughs> you know, we need some classy and big. So, before the next match, Diesel is shown on the WWF hotline. He's, where, he's carrying a very big red phone as he's, as yeah. he's talking to someone. I don't know what that's about. That's very, very strange. It is a phenomenal visual. He's just there, yeah. and he's like, he's like, he's moaning to his 
to his wife about the crap day at work he's had, which to be fair, he might be doing actually, because that is literally what's just happened. But he's he's just there, he's just like and I think he's got I don't think he's holding the actual phone. I think he's got the the receiver between his ear and his shoulder and he's <laughs> holding the phone in the other hand. And it's just really weird. It's like, oh god, I've just fucking prick Sean Michael's just just kick me in the head again and and, and <laughs> I fucking my trousers keep falling down and I was and I fucking Jeff Jarrett stopped popping me gusset and I'm just having a rabbit's day. <laughs> That's what it looks like. I just love the thought that people phoned this superstar line. And I would love, if any of the listeners have got any audio of it, I'd love to hear what was said. Because it can't have been salacious stuff, can it? Well, I, I just <laughs> said it. just be like, why? <laughs> we just did it. It was a live reenactment of it, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Sharon's popping me gusset. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking about this diesel thing this this onesie thing that he's wearing underneath the trousers is this what brett wears as well Probably, yeah he must do yeah. a lot of these guys with those those sort of at times mm. once because but it's different because like the one two three kids one is a one piece isn't it mm. yeah but he's got pants over the one piece as well you'll notice does he? yeah i think yeah, you'll find yeah. it does yeah <clears throat> so it's the same color and it, it goes in it blends in with the rest of the outfit but it's minutes, still though. do you reckon we should start wearing these things <laughs> <laughs> oh god no, the thing is, because we can wear whatever we want over it, a la <laughs> wrestling, but we just always have to have our gusset covered. But I didn't think it'd be very comfortable. I think you'd feel like a real like lift. If you've got a big pair of bollocks like I am, it's not going to be very comfortable. <laughs> can I also say that your gusset should always be covered? <laughs> <laughs> hey, all right, mate. Prude. So what do you reckon <laughs> would be better, wearing leggings and a tight tucked in top or a a gusset cover. It's only one way to find out. <laughs> so let's move on because we've we've gone 45 minutes and we're still not past the first match yet. God, bloody hey, hell. you're the one who brought up gusset. This True. is what took us down this bloody alleyway to right. find a gusset. No, let me move on then. We have next up Jerry Lawler, sleazy, queasy oh. and cheesy against Doink Dink, Pink and Wink. I know that you just cannot wait to talk about this one. <laughs> So how about I do this? I will run through the various set pieces that they go through here and mm. you can give me a little comment if you want to on each one. So first of all, set piece one, as I've called it, Doink <laughs> hits an insiguri. But when Lawler goes for one, he lands on his nose. <laughs> there you go. That's, that's the reaction I'm looking for. Set piece two. There's an arm bar by Doink. The little clowns run across Lawler's stomach and pull faces at the little kings. The little kings then do the same across King's stomach, much to the chagrin of Jerry the King Lawler. (laughs) (laughs) Set piece three is a continuation of the previous one, as Lawler tries to get his kings to do the same thing on Doink. But when the kings do run across Doink's stomach, Doink trips them over and they all fall over into a big pile. Set piece four. Doink does three slams. Then each of the clowns go for a cover and Doink counts as, as Jerry Lawler kicks them off. Doink catches them and places them by the side. Then Lawler tries to do the same with his kings, but the kings are too heavy for Lawler and they, they fall over on top of him. <laughs> I'll be honest, in tennis, that was actually quite funny. The, the bit when the bit the the first uh, uh, little king who who there's a, <laughs> Lord just catches him and chucks him over his shoulder. Set piece five. Uh, Dink puts the Burger King hat on Jerry Lawler. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. 
So P6, Doink and Dink challenge Lawler to a fight where Dink is on Doink's shoulders. <laughs> See, it gets better. I told you it gets funnier. Yeah, it stuff. does, it does. Lawler then decides that he needs to be on, I believe, Sleazy's shoulders. And this time, so when he climbs up onto Sleazy's shoulders, he's too heavy for Sleazy and again falls flat on his nose. <laughs> it's funnier than it sounds. That one is funny. <laughs> yeah. um, next up, we get a test of strength between Lawler and Doink. Then the minis run a crisscross the ring and they, <laughs> and the clowns come out on top. Weird one. Yeah. Um, because things are about to get a little bit more serious now. Because Lawler then hits Doink with some form of foreign object. It may be that he's not actually holding anything, but he pretends at least that he's holding something. It, um, it hits him with an invisible foreign object, I've got written. <laughs> that's right, yeah. It's a classic of Jerry Lawler, this one. But the, the hijinks are not over, because Lawler then tells the kings to lift, to get sit up on the second rope and put their feet out so that Lawler can Irish whip Doink into them. But Doink manages to reverse the Irish whip and Jerry Lawler goes into the kings. Then some action takes place. I call I say action, whatever. <laughs> then Lawler rolls through on a flying crossbody and pulls Doink's t- tights for the first elimination. So Jerry Lawler eliminates Doink. Now we are told at the beginning of this match that Jerry Lawler and Doink can only fight each other and the minis can only fight each other as well. So when Jerry Lawler pins Doink, effectively he eliminates himself as well because he can no longer take part. Now, this doesn't happen, but I, I want to just I, I want to just concentrate on this rule for a little bit, because what happens then if the three clowns, Dink, Pink and Wink, manage to eliminate all of Sleazy, Queasy and Cheesy? Presumably we've got a stalemate because the, the three small clowns can't fight Jerry Lawler. Hmm. Well, yeah. Vince points this out. Vince says that the fact the, the fatch, what's a fatch? Uh, the match is effectively over when Lawler eliminates Doink. Because Lawler can't be eliminated by anyone. So he comes at it from the other angle to you where he's not eliminated. So he just stays in. So he's always going to win. It's almost like this is poorly thought out shit. (laughs) Poorly thought out. Did you see the bit with Sleazy and Jerry Lawler on his shoulders and falling over? 16 minutes of my life. (laughs) This is five minutes of fun. Well, we we haven't finished. We haven't finished yet, mate. We haven't finished yet. Come on. Saddle up. Right. So after this, Wink is then eliminated when he goes for a monkey flip on Sleazy, but Lawler holds on to the back of Sleazy's uh, leotard and then Sleazy, uh, Wink falls off and then Sleazy goes for the pin and Lawler puts his knee on Sleazy to stop Wink being able to kick out. Pink is then eliminated when Lawler drops Cheesy onto him for a pin from quite a height. We then see Pink hide under the ring and we also hear Vince McMahon Uh, speculate that there could be wink may also have gone under there after his elimination dink is then pinned when as he tries to pin sleazy lawler distracts the ref and one of the others reverses the pinfall to give them the four nil victory i guess all the kings are still left it's time then for some post-match hijinks of course there's got to be a bit more you can't go away with this sad ending can you so (laughs) after the match the three kings and Jerry Lawler are all kind of celebrating. The three kings are holding hands with their arms aloft. And Jerry Lawler starts to berate them and say that he did everything himself. He was the winner of the match, not them. And they, they don't deserve to, to to bask in the glory. He's not wrong, <laughs> to be fair. Is he? he doesn't handle it well, but he's not wrong. Don't, don't take all the heat out of the room, Tom. Come on. <laughs> so they though refuse to take what Jerry Lawler is saying and lift their arms again, even though Jerry Lawler has told them to put their hands down. 
He then sends them out of the ring and says, look, you know, you don't deserve to be in the ring with me. Get out. They get out of the ring. But when they're outside the ring, they again raise their hands together. This infuriates Jerry Lawler and he runs after them around the ring until they front up to him. They turn around and put their fists up as if they're going to fight Jerry Lawler. Lawler suddenly comes all over a little bit cowardly. And then what do you know? The three clowns, Dink, Pink and Wink, are all also under the ring. They come from out of the ring and the six little guys chasing after Jerry the King Lawler. They run around the ring a couple of times and then Jerry Lawler runs back down the aisle thinking he's got away with it all. He's pointing to his head as if he's very, very smart. Doink then appears from behind, and as Jerry Lawler turns around, he pie faces him. That is the match. As you said, 16 minutes plus afters, probably two, three, four minutes of afters. Tom? So, this match is rubbish. But what I will say about it, so it got, in 1994, it got awarded the worst worked match of the year by the Wrestling Observer Newsletter. But at the same time, Dink also won an award for the funniest by the World Wrestling Federation. Which one is the more credible source? Source? I'll let you decide that one. Um, in terms I, I'm of still the, I'm still figuring out which one's the more credible source, if I'm honest. Yeah, I know. Fucking hell. Um, Heinz. No, HP Source. That's what, uh, that's what Michael Cole likes to have a little drink of in there at ringside. <laughs> um, pink. It's got red hair, not pink hair. What stupid oversight. Well, it's got a rhyme, though, hasn't it? That's the only reason. But give him pink hair. Uh, maybe, maybe they couldn't find any. Dickheads. Um, <laughs> this match is rubbish. And it was rubbish at the time, and it's still rubbish now. You've got to give credit, though, to Jerry Lawler. We discussed this the other week. I can't remember which one of you two brought up, but Vincent Mann giving long-term employment opportunities to people who are willing to make an absolute tit of themselves. (laughs) And Jerry Lawler very much does that in this match, and he is quite entertaining. But it's rubbish. It's really, really not good. But it did make me think about little people who wrestle. And I'd be interested to know if anybody out there can point me to a wrestling match with little people where it's taken seriously. Because I've only ever watched it, a uh, match involving little people in the WWF, and they've always been used for comedic value. Um, whereas I'd be interested to I'm pretty sure in Mexico they, they have um, little people wrestling, and I think it's taken quite seriously. But I don't know, because he, despite taking Spanish lessons for a year, I still don't really know anything because they talk too fast. So I don't know if it's supposed to be taken seriously or not. So I'd be very interested to maybe, I guess maybe you might have a bit, a bit of a bit of information about this thing, but I'm really not sure if it ever is, if it has been. First thing I would like to know is whether or not our listeners, when you said the, the, the people who speak Spanish talk too fast, kind of went, you got to be fucking kidding me with your thick Bristolian accent and the speed <laughs> with which you talk. You got to be joking. Um, I don't know. If I'm perfectly honest with you, I do not know. There, I have seen quite a lot of wrestling matches involving um, little people, and they mainly come from WWF in the 80s and 70s, and they are exactly the same as this, played for jokes. Although in the main, uh, I would say that the baby faces tend to come out on top in those matches, and the, the, the smaller little people tend to be the baby faces in general as well. I guess you could say that some of the matches involving Max Mini in the late 90s in WWF were played quite straight. They weren't as comedic, but in general, I don't know. I really don't know. Hmm, sad. Oh, man, what was your thought on the match? Um, this is crap. <laughs> That's That's <it>. do. <laughs> yeah, no, I, it's, this isn't, this is five minutes of fun in inverted commas i'll be honest like face doink don't do anything for me because you don't get to wear his amazing heel music so good and as soon as i didn't hear that I was disappointed and then the match started 
And I was at this point, I wasn't surprised. I was just bored, which I think is worse as well. I was happy that Lorna got his comeuppance and a bloody pie in his face. I they put a little bit of poo in that pie as well. <laughs> just just a little bit. Just in the crust. Someone just laid a little cable there and then they put some whipped cream over it. And he said, Oh, there's a whipped cream pie there. And then straight in his face, shit on his nose. So I'm looking at I'm going to use the phrase midget wrestling because um, that's, that's what they call, that's what we're calling it. So there's a wrestler called Skylo, and one of Skylo's gimmicks was an open challenge for any other midget wrestlers to beat him in a two out of three falls match for £100. He would also turn himself upside down and balance on his head. The duo of Skylo and Little Beaver even squared off in a match for Elizabeth II and King Farouk of Egypt. Queen! Wow. Our queen, yeah. our monarch, is into a little bit of little people wrestling, it turns out. Yeah, I'm going to be honest and say that it probably wasn't her choice to be there. Well, when did she ever make a choice about going anywhere, quite frankly? Well, yeah, no, she, uh, well to be fair, I think she probably been choosing to go to the hospital recently. She's been quite poorly. So you take that back, Tinky. She just gets wheeled out whenever they, uh, when they need yeah. someone to look regal. They should have got William, quite frankly. Are you too sure it's Sky Low and not Sky Lolo? Because there is a very famous midget wrestler called sky low low no you're right i just missed out the second low every time okay great well we'll we'll move on from that match because clearly we weren't that impressed the thing is the thing i feel about this match is that similarly to if you watched a film a funny film when you were maybe eight or nine or ten and you went back and watched it now and you didn't find it that funny but you were like but when i was 10 it was really funny it's kind of got this effect on me this match if i if i'm perfectly honest it's kind of like yeah but i remember watching it when i was a lot younger and it wasn't hilarious but i always quite liked it so Mm. it's difficult Uh, you know watching it now i'm like yeah this is fucking atrocious but at the time it was good enough for me so next up todd pettengill (laughs) is backstage and he talks about (laughs) bull nakano winning (laughs) todd pettengill is finding what's just happened hilarious He's yeah. like, he's got pie in the face. <laughs> and then he turns his head and you see his mullet and it made me throw up in my mouth. <laughs> I got to give Top Anger a lot of credit during this period because he is never anything but very enthusiastic about everything mm. on screen. And it's very hard to not be impressed by someone who manages to stay enthusiastic about some of the shit that's served up at times. Yeah. So he is backstage and he talks about Bull Nakano winning the WWF women's title at the Tokyo Egg Dome. Uh, Pettengill then uh, has Bull Nakano with him and asks how she feels, but her response is in Japanese. He then raises his voice and talks <laughs> slower to see if she can make see if he can make her understand. She then speaks a bit more Japanese. Todd Pettengill speculates that she said that she's very proud, and uh, Vince and Gorilla find it all very very funny when they return to commentary. <laughs> what a pair of lads! Uh, you know, I reckon I reckon they've had whilst all this is going on, they've had. A couple of classes of sherry, and they're Aww. just like, ah, 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 the midgets, and look at Todd Pengo. She doesn't even speak English, and Todd Pengo's trying to talk to her. Have ah, another sherry, get another Harvey's Bristol cream out. Beautiful stuff, guys. Smooth. The the match that they've had, the Alondra Blaze Ball Nakano match, took place, I believe, at one of the big um, women's Japanese wrestling shows that was a collaboration between all the big Japanese um, women's wrestling promotions. And it drew masses amount of people. I mean, it's in the Tokyo Dome, after all. So it's, it's a big old, big old venue. And you saw a clip from it here. And Ball Nakano hits an incredible leg drop off the top rope. So, yeah, looks looks good. Is it still called the Tokyo Egg Dome? 
the people just so. dropped the egg because they're like, why did why we put, put an egg in the middle of it? This isn't a sandwich. <laughs> My understanding of uh, Japanese stadiums is not particularly great. I'm sure someone will be able to provide Come that on, context. Come on, you bloody love a Japanese stadium. What are you talking about? <laughs> James, you, James, honestly, off air, won't shut up about them. Embarrassing is. What what came first, the Tokyo Chicken Dome or the Tokyo Egg Dome? <laughs> <laughs> Do I'm actually I'm quite happy with that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I think let's be honest. We probably need a little break for you to get over this, the excitement that you just uh, of what you just did. We've managed to cover two matches in the first half of the show. But we can have a little break and then we'll be back to finish the show off. I am standing with Bob Backlund. He did exactly what he said he was going to do. Agree or disagree with his tactics? He is now two-time WWF. Wait a minute. First of all, young man, it's Mister. Bob Backlund, and you're incorrect. I've been the champion since 1978. I never lost the championship. Tonight, I just regained the belt, and I beat the man that represents your society. I beat him so I could save you. I'm going to scrutinize you to the fullest pasteurize you, homogenize you, and synchronize you back into morality. You understand, ladies and gentlemen, it's sports education. I'm your champion, and I'll take on anybody. Anybody at all, ladies and gentlemen. In your generation, because I'm fighting for something that's more important than anything in this world. It's put morality back into your lives. And now your children have somebody that they can emulate after and try to catch up to. Because I feel like God! So welcome back. We have three matches left to cover, and I really feel in a little bit for old man because he looks quite zombie-like. He's—he's. He's, you can see that he's run a marathon this weekend. Are you? Are you? Sorry, I was looking at pictures of dicks. <laughs> <laughs> zombie dicks. There's Halloween. Oh, I, it's just gone. Well, in fairness, couldn't see the people, so they could have been zombies. A couple of them were a bit. A bit Dane Bowers, if you know what I mean. So, we have the world title match. It's Bret Hart versus Bob Backlund. It is a submission match. And in the case of this particular contest, Vince McMahon tells us that the only way to win, at least before the match, this is what he says, is for the corner man of either of the two men to throw in their towels. The two corner men are Owen Hart in Backlund's corner and David Boy Smith in Bret Hart's. And they each have a towel with which they can throw in. We also see that Stu and Helen, Helen are in the are in the crowd, not far from ringside. And uh, yes, then I've got two and a half pages of notes because this match <laughs> goes for 35 gut busting, bollock churning, <laughs> anal prolapsing, <laughs> anal prolapsing minutes. Absolutely. So yeah, I don't really know how to describe it. All 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 I'll say is that about. 23 minutes into the match maybe a little bit earlier than that Bob Ackland traps Bret Hart in the chicken wing and then uh, Davey Boy Smith is chasing after Owen Hart around the ringside and Davey dives at Owen 
outside the ring, but Owen gets out of the ring, out of the way, and Davy Davy Boy Smith's head goes right into the still steps, knocking him out cold. There then follows a 12-minute Oscar-winning performance from Owen Hart as he acts very concerned for his brother. There are tears streaming down his cheeks, and he convinces Stu and Helen Hart to uh, come to ringside. He's trying to get Helen to throw the towel in as Brett continues to be trapped in the uh, chicken wing, all the while occasionally kind of trying to get out of it. And eventually... Stu, who is holding the towel after taking it off Helen to prevent her from throwing it in, Helen snatches it away from Stu and throws the towel in, and we have a new world champion. Owen Hart immediately grabs the towel and runs out celebrating Bob Backlund's victory. Who wants to go first? I'll go first. So, Bob Backlund looks like a lunatic. We've got a foam heart alert in the crowd. Wow, someone bought it. Yeah, I'll be honest, this uh, teenage girl looked a lot like you, Tinky, so I was wondering if it might be you. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'm not sure. Um, a quick comment on the referee. How hard must it be not to count? Mm. Because I think some dodgy cunt goes for a cover. I think it's Backland goes for a cover at one point. And I'm like, cool, that must be tough. Everything in your body must be like, come on. It's, it's Brett. Brett goes for the cover. But I, but I think it's deliberate. I think it's not yes. meant to be a mistake. Mm. I think it's meant yeah. to be the character making a mistake because he usually yeah. goes for the pin. Chinlocksy. I mean, so the old cross-faced chicken winger is on 12, 13 minutes. There's a good four or five minutes of chinlock in this, in the middle. So I quite, uh, quite enjoyed that. <laughs> I think he's going to fall asleep halfway through talking here. Yeah? <laughs> but I did write in my notes. In my notes, fucking hell, boys. Your Raul moots. I got to check my Raul moots. What? My notes. <laughs> I did write the chin lock there is, the chin lock there was, and the chin lock there ever will be. <laughs> I think that's how bored I got watching this. The Hart family. So. His now ex-wife and the kids cracking seats, absolutely cracking seats. I mean, they must be just above the hard camera. Then Brett puts on a figure four, which lasts about a week, I think. And every part of me is saying, God, this is boring. <laughs> Fuck me, this is boring. But it's not. I just really enjoyed it. I just <laughs> sat there watching and I was like, why am I enjoying this so much? I was like, I don't really get it. It's because... These cunts are fucking in. They're balls deep in this. They know what's going to happen because it's predetermined, this wrestling malarkey, just in case. Sorry, man. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they are balls deep in this. Everyone involved. The only person who's not, and I think he's a bit confused by life, is Bulldog. He already joined the party until he does his chase around with Owen and then he gets knocked out, poor bugger. But it's just very well done. And Owen Hart, as you said, he didn't get the Oscar, incredibly. Or even nominated, I don't think. It seems a bit disgusting, because Kevin Costner probably got nominated this year, and he's he, he's not fit to lace Owen's bloody moustache. And uh, <laughs> Who's lacing moustaches? <laughs> yeah, and Owen doesn't have a moustache. <laughs> hey, that's, it makes sense to me. Um, yeah, I just really enjoyed this. I, I'll be honest, I'm as surprised as anyone. <laughs> I just enjoyed this. The end bit does go on far too long far far too long and i get what they're trying to do with like Stu and helen don't want to get 
up from their seats and then come in. But for about seven minutes, I'm just like, oh, we just move the barrier, please. Come on, mate. Come on, mate. But then he starts crying. And then I'm like, I'm emotionally invested. I'm like, well, is he actually worried? Is he genuinely worried? And they bloody got me again, didn't they? Those Hart brothers. Lovely stuff. Yeah, enjoyed it. Bit long in the end. But overall, considering we went 35 minutes and 34 of it involves men being led down on top of each other, unsurprisingly, I enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> so, in the missions, you guys, I never liked this match when I was growing up because Brett loses. So I never used to watch it. So I remember not liking it because Brett loses. That being said, I watched this and I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was great. Um, 35 minutes is a bloody long time for a match. But pro- before we get to that, I'd love to see Stu and Helen in the crowd. But do you know what I thought at that time? I wish Bobby was here. I wish Jerry was here to hear him berate them and slag them off because it was always comedy gold whenever they, whenever they were on in in the crowd and one of those one of those lads would just slag them off always always brilliant but Backlund makes great noises and there's a couple of bits yeah. when he's getting arm dragged and he's going whoa 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 as he's getting thrown around the ring which is tremendous work there is some great wrestling this you're right about there's a lot of front face locks and a lot of head locks um, at the beginning of the match, which I, which it was one of those things you'd, you'd keep going back to it, and I'm like, do you know what? I don't mind that if you're clearly working a specific part of the body. Mm-hmm. I don't mind that. And there are some moments in there which are which are really good. So there's a cracking abdominal stretch from Bret Hart in there that looks like his absolute agony. And there's a couple of bits in there that I'm watching it and I'm like, do you know what, Bret is the greatest. I don't care what anyone says, and I don't. It's not a sudden realization that I came to, but it's just nice every now and again to have that affirmation. And there's a bit when Bret Hart, there's like, so I can't remember what happens, but Bret Hart gets off the mat and he looks around the ring and he can't see Backland, and then he realizes that as he can't see him in front of him, he must be behind him, and he really quickly ducks and turns around because he knows that if he's behind him, then he's going to get the chicken wing on him. It's brilliant in ring psychology. The the Backland working over the arms is great, and Bob Backland in this is a lot better than I remember him being as well yeah um and at the end of the match i'm thinking to myself they talk about it being like 18 uh, uh, 11 years since since the original match happened that played into this and i'm thinking to myself like now that doesn't seem very long it seemed like an eternity in 1994 mm. but now i think like well you're still bringing like fucking goldberg back but goldberg back he was hot in 1998 do you know what i mean so which is much which is long longer than 11 years but the star of the show is is owen Hart. Owen Hart's acting is absolutely tremendous. He's got all the charisma that his parents don't. And he <laughs> is and his voice is cracking. He sounds like Marty McFly Jr. He's like, I don't know. I don't know, Griff. I gotta ask my father. You know, he's he's properly cracking his voice and he's and his acting's amazing. And it might be the two greatest turns ever in wrestling <laughs> done in one match involving one person he turns babyface and he's there going we've got we have christmas together thanksgiving <laughs> together and then later and then afterwards the, the heel turn and then him running out as soon as but as soon as the things announced is fucking amazing and ah oh, it's amazing it's such a great match one thing i've got to mention though the knockout of bulldog is absolute comedy gold <laughs> with him falling headbutts and steps and then <laughs> um, hello, um, Helen and Stu. Your son-in-law is absolutely knocked out unconscious on the floor. Just step over him. <laughs> <laughs> Just <ignore> him. <laughs> it's amazing. 
absolutely phenomenal. There he is. Poor Diana's there going, you know, that's my husband, right? You know, he's like, <laughs> Um, but this match is fucking great. I, it's so good. There's a wonderful power driver from Backlund, and then there's a equally wonderful power driver in it from Bret Hart. It's just a great match. I I really really liked it, and a lot better than I remember it being. And the fact that it's 35 minutes and there's about 15 minutes off, bit just being in one move, the tension never dies, and the crowd is so into it. And there's a moment when Bret gets up the second time and gets pulled back down to the mat by Bob Backlund, and everyone knows at that point that it's inevitable, but the crowd is still going, let's go, Brett, let's go, Brett. Border doesn't know what's going on because he's knocked out. <laughs> Owen's doing the performance of his lifetime. Stu and Helen Hart don't have a clue what's going I think, to be honest, Stu Hart is so, like, does not know what's going on. I reckon Helen was supposed to throw the towel in earlier, and he just stole it from her because he does that <laughs> at one point because he's just like, that looks like a nice towel. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> it's fucking amazing. What a match. What a match. What a man. That man being Bulldog. Knocked out on the floor. Lovely stuff. <laughs> Great greatness. Yeah. So interesting. Um. First of all, I do agree with some of the uh, observations about Bret Hart here because there's also a moment where he headbutts Bob Backlund and afterwards sells, sells his own head as if it, as just like these little bits. He's just phenomenal. I love those bits. It's just great. I just think he is great. But I did not share your, your enthusiasm for this match, if I'm honest. I be, will also be honest. Once Bret Hart gets in the chicken win, because I've watched this a billion times, I went and did some other things for a bit for to just to eat up some of that time, because I was like, this goes on for a long time now. I know it goes I'm on sorry. for a very long time. Tinky, you tossed off, didn't you? <laughs> no i actually went out and did some washing up but you know the point is, oh, wow. is i was just in the sort of in a period where i was like okay now i know what happens now i know this lasts for a god long such a long time that i'm I'm just gonna leave it for a bit i do obviously owen's performance is amazing obviously it's amazing but the match is a bit rough i think prior to that point i mean it's still even the match itself is still 20 minutes and they don't really get out of first gear at any real point there's some, as I said, there's some nice moments and there are some nice touches, as I, as I said just a moment ago, but it's not a great match for me. It's better than Bret Hart versus Sting, but that doesn't say a lot about it, to be honest. Um, Bob Backlund, this is about as good as I think I've ever seen him. So their rematch of WrestleMania 11 is not a patch on this. And this nah. is, in my opinion, a particularly great match. It's, it's OK. It's OK. But that doesn't hide the fact that it's 35 minutes. 12 or 13 minutes of which is just one move and Bret Hart being held in that chicken wing. I will say for them, though, they built and so they built the chicken wing up phenomenally to the point where people genuinely like I can remember watching it and thinking that it was the most devastating submission hold of all time. I think it helps that Bret is locked in it, can't get out of it. And Bret's supposed to be the guy who can reverse anything. And it, these are the sort of tropes that they've built up within their own universe. And so they can draw upon them in this moment to build up the, the chicken wing. So I like that a lot, but it's, it's, and it's strange. It's really strange afterwards. Bob Backlund is the champion. Like Vince is, is saying, I can't believe it. This is probably one of the first four or five shows I ever saw. I still can't believe that he won the WWF championship. And I'm just like, what were they thinking? I know they wanted a transitional champion between Brett and Diesel and Bob Backlund obviously holds about for three, three days and mm. uh, Diesel beats him at Madison square garden a few days after this in a house show but why bob backland like surely there was someone else they could have got it, it is really weird and i wonder if it's just strikes of 
who else would have done the job that was credible? But like you, but Backlund's not even that credible. He mm. is by the end of the match because of the ruthlessness of that hold. But it is a bit of a weird one. Is it not that you would want someone who won't get anything from beating Brett? Because the reality is, is they could have got away without having a rematch with this. Whereas if you got someone else in to do it, so you've got Adam Bomin <laughs> to do it, the second greatest of all time. <laughs> Or someone like that level, you're then kind of in a sticky position, whereas no one's realistically expecting Backlund to come back and be like, I want that title, because he was too busy a little bit later doing, no, I fucked it, can't remember, can't remember what I was going to say. <laughs> Never mind, done. Brilliant. <laughs> Yeah. I think um I, I don't know because I think this was a time when you could got you could have got away with anybody having the title for a couple of days and then dropping it and not needing mm. to go back for it. This wasn't a time when people were like, I I must have a rematch, I must have a rematch. It just didn't really happen mm. back then. So I I don't know, it just feels it just feels really odd. <laughs> but I will say this, and I think we've said this before. Backland is phenomenal in the character. He is absolutely yeah. phenomenal. And I think they do. I think this is a case. We've t- I've talked about this a couple of times of, of people try- finding justification for their own heel turn. Now, it's worth saying that when Bob Backland was the world champion in 1977, I think, to 83 or 1978 to 83, he was brought in at a time when America had just gone through the Watergate scandal. And Vince McMahon Sr. had identified that he wanted an all-American um clean cut baby face to be their top star and it was this is kind of how i i think this is kind of sometimes the genius of of a wrestling promoter is he thought to himself i just need someone who people can really trust like is who's whiter than white basically because the country's just gone through the scandal and it's you know it's, it's actually been a major kind of problem for the country and we're bringing bob Backlund in i'm bringing bob Backlund in because i want him to be that all-american you know proper p- pure basically pure champion so he was very much a kind of morally sound guy that was effectively his gimmick so they've used that same principle here as his heel basis because now he's saying morality's gone and you know we're we're living in sinful times if you like and i I just think it was it felt like a guy who absolutely had justified to himself that that's um that he could be that person and it would make perfect sense in line with the character he had had back in the 70s and 80s i just thought it was really good it's not his best performance though which brings us on to this week's Tyrant Faxton of the Week so in the mid 2000s he played Friar Chuck alongside Maria Menounos in John Waters in the feature film comedy In the Land of Merry Misfits Tyrant Faxton of the Week that was a good one I enjoyed that was indeed Maria Menounos again. Gosh, she yeah. Well, the, she's a she's a big Backlund Mark, isn't she? A Mark Backlund, if you will. That's right, because she had a Backlund T-shirt, didn't she? That time she did. Mm. It all comes together. All of a sudden, it yeah. all comes together. Well, and apparently she puts on a cracking crossface chicken wing. I know she said she should have put her husband, what we assume was her husband, in it when we saw her. I think it was at SummerSlam, wasn't it, that time? But I, I like to think that when she was on this, Eve showed her how to apply it correctly, and she's used it to her benefit. So after the match, Todd Pittengill is backstage with Owen Hart. Owen Hart says that it's the greatest Thanksgiving of his life, and he says Brett is a loser and he's a king. He then ends with a low register woo, in much in the style of Ric Flair, but an octave or two high, uh, lower. It's quite strange. 
it's similar to the the way that I can do a woo because I had a cold once and I completely lost my falsetto and uh, now the highest I can go is a woo. That's about it, and that, that is the still, highest I could possibly go. That was still an octave or two lower, uh, higher than uh, Owen's woo here. Woo. Well, didn't, <laughs> <laughs> didn't he used to come down and put his arms up with the slammies and go woo as well? Possibly. Did he do that? Oh, and old OH, oh, his yeah, sort of, sort of thing he'd do. Let's be honest, Ric Flair's not fit to lick the dirty gusset of Owen Hart in the <laughs> ring. Let's be honest, let's start fucking dress up. Please dress it up. I don't want to know about the fucking gussets anymore. Owen oh, Hart's God. gusset. Hey, that man is deceased, so you will treat his gusset with respect. The, I, what I will say about this is that the, uh, the Owen Hart stuff, the Diesel stuff, the Bret Hart stuff, um, there is two focuses of this, the first the first hour and a half of the show, and it is those two mm-hmm. things. It is getting Bret, the title off Bret, getting the title to Bob, 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 Bob Backlund, and having Diesel and Shawn Michaels split up. And those are the two big things that are supposed to come out of this show, and I, quite, I think they do quite well. To that point, we go back to Monsoon and Vince, oh and my, my goodness, God. they look... Monsoon, <laughs> Monsoon is angry... Vince looks absolutely devastated. And to quote yeah. him, he says, I actually feel betrayed. Yeah, which I don't know, really. I'm not sure whether that makes any sense. But fair play to them for selling it. And they're also selling some lovely plush goodies on the uh, front of their desk. They've got a selection of merchandise there that gets a little bit bigger every time they come back to them. Uh, a little bit like... You're bloody trying to bloody hawk merchandise here, aren't you, as well? You little scamps. Yeah, great acting. Great acting. Road Warrior great. Hawk merchandise. Yes, that's it. That's it. Isn't that the phrase when you're trying to sell some... Is it hawk or what? No, you are right. Yes, that's what it is. Yeah, uh, that's all right. I want you up, I was losing my mind. It's possible. Are they <laughs> trying to tatanka that merchandise? <laughs> so... Oh, spe- speaking of... Well, I wonder. I wonder whether or not before we get to Tatanka, I wonder whether or not the reason they selected Bob Backlund was what happened in boxing, obviously at the time, because they mention it a number of times. There is references to George Foreman's victory mm. for the WBA championship. I don't know. I'm not very good at the old boxing, um, you know, companies and promotions or whatever. Yeah. I don't. I don't really understand it. But yeah, um, so he won the world title at the age of 45, and Backlund apparently was the same age as him at this point 45 as if that's really old yeah. <laughs> imagine that now no way <laughs> yeah i know it's well, mad isn't it you're right we have now the uh, final of our survivor series elimination matches it's tatanka bam bam bigelow king kong bundy and the heavenly bodies collectively known as the million dollar corporation against lex luger adam bomb mabel and smoking guns or guts and glory oh yeah <laughs> What a name for a team that is. These Survivor Series names, not just this year, but every year prior to this, are fucking atrocious. And can you think of a shitter team <laughs> than than what we get served up here? Oh, oh, we, Tom, Tom, don't go there. Old man's favourites in there. One of his favourites. Adam when, Bomb. When, it, when Adam yeah. Bomb's the best person. <laughs> I, I, I'll be honest. Pretty grim. When they, at the start, we didn't really touch on it, but there's the video of all the teams. Like little separate videos of them talking, and I saw this team. I was like, "How's Adam Bomb been lumbered with this shit?" He needs a heel turn mid-show so that he can <laughs> join the uh, million-dollar team and replace King Kong Bundy, who I think at this point is only about thirty-five. <laughs> <laughs> He's another he's one, bloody, isn't he? He's a bloody giant egg, isn't he? 
He's just he, you're right though. He's another one from the era before, really, before yeah. almost before the Hogan era. I mean, I know he did headline WrestleMania too, but he was, you know, it's really weird. Yeah, this one. We have got a 23-minute match on our hands here. And again, I don't really know how to um, how to approach it. What I will say, ultimately, is that the Million Dollar uh, Team, Million Dollar Corporation, win, and Bamba Miglo and King Kong Bundy survive at the end. And I'll just give you a couple of things, a, little bit, a few highlights I picked out. Um, <laughs> so first of all, we have got a moment where King Kong Bundy has the temerity to call Mabel Fat Boy. <laughs> <laughs> then um afterwards after that mabel hits a spinning heel arse as i've decided yeah, to call right, it he does. because that's what he uses to knock them over is his arse <laughs> yeah um and mabel had hit a crossbody from the second rope on tom pritchard for the first elimination which looked pretty brutal today yeah. horrible <laughs> absolutely brutal yes indeed and to be honest that was all i wanted to mention those were the two best bits right, of the match cool. after that Eventually, we basically get down to Lex Luger against Bundy, Bigelow, and Tatanka. And then he gets beaten down for quite some time. Yeah. And then we get uh, Lex Luger, a small package of Tatanka, but then immediately after, Bundy splashes Luger to end the match. Now, the way this ended reminded me very much of the main event of Survivor Series 87. I hope mm-hmm. you can believe it. Which is actually ends with Bigelow, who is at the time of Babyface, against Andre the Giant, One Man Gang, and... I think it is, I was going to say, oh, who is it? It's another big guy I can't think of right now. Might be Bundy again, actually. Bundy, Once Bundy, One Man yeah. Gang, and Andre the Giant. And Bigelow's against all three of them. And Bigelow eliminates one of them after having been beaten down for ages beforehand and then immediately gets pinned. So it's, it's, it's effectively mm. exactly the same way. Although that is a far more enjoyable contest than this one. Tom. So this match, like I said, probably the worst. Survivor Series team I've ever seen. Lex Lugo, Mabel, Adam Bond, the smoking guns. There's a little bit at the beginning of the match when Tatanka walks backwards to Lex Luger. He then bumps into Lex Luger, turns around and jumps and puts his hand up as to say, stay away from me. Lex Luger shits himself at that point. He properly jumps and goes, in the ring. He properly drops one out of his pants. It's amazing. Um, the bit where Mabel and Bundy square up, the crowd are absolutely into it. And when Mabel squares off against Dr. Tom Pritchard, Billy Gunn on the ring apron is having the time of his life. He's dancing. He's singing along to whoop. There it is. He's just so happy with his repugnant mullet and moustache. And his moustache <laughs> is horrible as well. Mm, it's so horrible. Mabel absolutely kills Tom Pritchard after a, uh, after a splash from the second rope. He absolutely fucking decimates him. And always good to see Bam Bam Bigelow doing a sideways moonsault. On, uh, yeah. on Adam Bomb, which is always a lovely treat. Also, didn't particularly like the imagery of the Cowboys beating up the Native American no, for a long me. period. No. So it's a bit like, oh, that's a bit on the nose, isn't there? And when Luger eliminates the tanker, it is the worst small package I've ever seen in my life. It is like they've had a couple of beers and they're having a little <laughs> game of Twister. And all of a sudden they've just fallen onto each other. And Lex Luger happens to be the one that's fallen on top of the tanker. But it is it is rubbish. This isn't a very good match, if I'm being honest. The million dollar team beat down Luger and there's no bell. There's no ring bell going off in the background. That's because no one wanted him to be saved. Everyone was like, yeah, yeah it's left. Exactly. Let, me, let me get me up. It's just a bit shit, isn't it? And Lex Luger, we've said this before, he's fucking awful. Like, mm. genuinely, I think he's possibly the worst wrestler that was continually pushed to a main event role. He must be. I can't imagine anyone worse. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'd have to agree with that. I mean, there are people who tell you that some of his stuff in the late 80s and early 90s was quite good. I haven't seen a lot of it, so I can't really comment. But from everything I've seen, he just seems very, very shit. Um, I think there's also an element to which at this point he was very demotivated because mm. obviously his big push the previous year had gone had not gone the way they'd hoped it would. And he was now kind of meandering in the upper mid card. And to be honest, the story they allude to, the story that goes into SummerSlam of this year, which is apparently Lex Luger looks like he's going to sell out to the million dollar man and it ends up being Tatanka who's done it. Yeah. Tatanka turning on Luger. They probably should have turned Luger heel because at least they would have given him something to do. But because after this, it's really got nothing to do. Interestingly enough, um, I when I appeared not too long ago on um, the Senior Video podcast, um, we covered a Lex Luger match. It was against Jeff Jarrett. Can you believe oh, they had a they had a twelve lovely. or thirteen minute match? One of the most dull things I've ever seen. And honestly, Gorilla Monsoon's on commentary. Monsoon's basically like calling Luger out for like being lazy, for not being motivated all the way through it. It's, it's amazing. So, yeah, I think that's the big problem here is Luger just doesn't mm, care. That match sounds like hell. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It's not great. Yeah. If, after you, as you said, after the match, the Million Dollar Corporation attack, um, attack Luger. The baby faces run down. Well, I say the baby faces, all of them but Mabel run to the ring. Yeah. They decided to saunter down to the ring. But thankfully, he does that because afterwards, the heavenly bodies run down and Mabel just takes them out with one, I assume, a double clothesline. Though we'd never see it. So who knows yeah. what, what happened. And uh, yeah, uh, that's that's how we, we kind of end with that match. Any extra thoughts you wanted to say, old man? Well, this is the type of Survivor Series match I don't like. <laughs> so a load of cunts I don't care about. Having a match, there's no heat in it at all. I know there's the undercurrent of Luger, Million Dollar Man, like, oh, yeah, oh, they're going to do so. What are they going to do? Get off with each other? They get on with it. <laughs> Let me get on with it, you shithouses. <laughs> like, they're all crap, apart from Adam Bomb. <laughs> Adam Bomb's the fucking goat. Now, all jokes aside, there's one goat in this match, that's Jimmy Del Rey. Yeah, he's absolutely Jimmy. fantastic when he's in. I was like, fuck me, just give me a match with this guy. Million Dollar Man, right? The multi-million dollar man. <laughs> right? He's got all the money. Minted. He gets these guys together. I mean, really? Yeah. Like, he's got his pick of anyone he wants, apparently. And he gets Bam Bam, who I like, but Vader Light. Jimmy Delray, fantastic stuff. But I won't pick him. King Kong Bundy, wouldn't touch him with a barge pole. I wouldn't touch him with yours. Uh, Tatanka, no. Just no. And Dr. Tom, sorry, mate. No. Not interested. But then I looked at the other team. I'm like, you've got goat number two, Adam Bomb. Then you've got the smoking cunts. <laughs> <laughs> Lex Luger and Mabel. And I was like, how? What did I do in a previous life <laughs> to be watching this and to have to make notes? I mean, this is ugly. And also, I think this is made uglier by the fact that I know what's coming in the main event because so I was hoping for a little bit of a blood pump. My semi is gone, by the way, at this point, completely. So I think one thing to say here is that we've got the main event goes for 15 minutes, and we'll talk about that in a minute. We've had this match is 23 minutes. The Backland Brahara match is 35 minutes. The Even the minis match got 16 minutes. And the opener got 21. And this is effectively the whole roster. There really isn't that many other people on the roster. Duke Drossi's somewhere. He's not on this, yeah, this card. Yeah, he is. It's been day, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Nikolai Volkov is on the roster. He's one of the he's one of Million Dollar Man's guys. In fact, he was the yeah. first guy to be managed by the Million Dollar Man. And 
I, I'm trying to think. Bob Holly and Quang are on a pre-show match. So they're also in the on the roster. You've got Well Done, who we've saw at the Royal Rumble back at Roman 95. But there's so little other people on this roster. And I think that that means two things. First of all, it means that you have to have all these wrestlers. And also, who, who else is Ted DiBiase going to pick? There's hardly anyone to, to bring in anyway. And secondly, I think this is the reason why all these matches are so long. Because mm. they can, they've only got five matches and they can only have five matches because there's so few wrestlers on the roster. It's such a weak roster not surprising really that they served up this one although i guess they could have gone for four on four survivor series matches and then made some other match yeah because they weren't they they kind of um denied didn't they between doing four and four and and five on five throughout the throughout the years i believe there's even one year where there's three on three survivor series match yeah that's a terrible match that's a fucking dreadful dreadful match that one but yeah traditionally it was originally anyway it was five on five and then they went to four on four for a bit and then they went back and they've i think they've settled on five on five now so before our main event we get uh a backstage uh interview by todd pettengill with the new world champion bob backland he claims that he's been champion since 1978. Tonight, he just regained the belt. He says that he has beaten the representative of this generation. And he says now he'll put morality back into everybody's lives. He says that it's sports education. Mm. Lovely twist on the sports entertainment genre, I suppose, of pro wrestling. It's tremendous stuff, isn't it? He's just batshit crazy. That's exactly <laughs> what you want from old Bob Backers. Go on, Bob Backers. Yeah, I thought this promo was great. Really good. Really good. Again, he's all in, isn't he? Yeah. He's all in. So can't argue with that. Good lad. Yeah, I really like it. I think that this is the bit of the Backland run that I really enjoy. I just think his work, the character is just excellent, as I said earlier on. So before the main event, we are introduced to the special guest ring enforcer, which is star of Walker, Texas Ranger, Chuck Norris, Walker, Texas Ranger at the time, obviously a major uh, American uh, show. He's definitely an anti-vaxxer, isn't he? <laughs> you reckon? Oh, 100%. He's a right Bible basher, that guy. Absolutely loves it. He's, he's into that weird God. <laughs> I can't remember. There's like the um like half science, half God, kind of like undecided about God and science. Yeah, he's a bit of a weirdo, that Chuck Norris. I can't help but feel that, old man, you're just throwing words together at the moment and they're not really that coherently. <laughs> yeah, he's into that weird God, you know, it's like... He can't is. Make, oh, can't I, make oh, his mind I, up between science and, you know, right. God and science. I, I, I don't want to go into his Wikipedia page again. <laughs> right, so here we go, here we go. An outspoken Christian, Norris is the author of several Christian-themed books. On April 22nd, 2008, Norris expressed his support... The Intelligent Design Movement, when he reviewed Ben Stein's Expelled for Townhall.com. The Intelligent Design Movement is a neo-creationist religious campaign for broad social, academic and political change to promote and support the pseudo-scientific idea of intelligent design, which asserts that certain features of the universe and of living things are best explained by an intelligent cause, not an undirected process such as natural selection. That was much more um, articulate than what you were before. Yeah. It did show that you were reading it out from a from from an established encyclopedic reference website. I did, yeah, of course. Yeah, <laughs> it's Wikipedia, baby. 
So, Undertaker versus Yokozuna is a casket match. It's a rematch from their Rumble 94 match where the Undertaker was beaten and ascended to heaven, ultimately, and disappeared for eight or nine months and returned yeah. in time for SummerSlam. In time for a uh, big, uh, what's his chops to find him? Leslie Nielsen. That's right, yeah. So it is a, as I said earlier on, 15-minute match. It ends when, after the Undertaker appears to have Yokozuna beaten, uh, and is starting to roll him towards the casket. And my goodness, he takes nearly as long to roll Yokozuna to the casket as Bret Hart was in the chicken win early on in the show. Both Bam Bam Bigelow and King Kong Bundy come to the ring in down the aisle and Chuck Norris faces them off, prevents them from coming in. In the meantime, IRS runs through the crowd, jumps into the ring, attacks the Undertaker and puts him in a sleeper hold. Then he drops the Undertaker into the casket um, and sort of says good luck to Mr. Fuji and walks off. Then... <laughs> Uh, Yokozuna manages to drag himself over to the casket, but the Undertaker manages to prevent him from going in. The Undertaker then delivers a choke slam and a, a little bit of a running clothesline and puts Yokozuna into the casket after a big boot. He then closes the lid. After the match, Jeff Jarrett comes down to try and test Chuck Chuck Norris. Norris kicks him in the in the chin, and uh, and then he runs back backstage just as quickly um, as the Undertaker celebrates in the ring. There's your main event. Tom, how did you find this one? I didn't think this match was very good. I'm not going to lie. But I will say about it. There's some pretty... I've got to give a shout out to the director in this in this instance because I thought there were some quite interesting visuals in this match. I quite like the one. There's like a panoramic shot of The Undertaker when he turns on the lights. Uh, there's the bit when The Undertaker's in the casket and he's uppercutting Yoko, which is a really cool visual. And then obviously on multiple occasions, camera work over Paul Bearer's shoulder whilst he's yelling at his reflection in the urn. Lovely <laughs> stuff, where you can actually see his reflection. It's amazing. Um, the Undertaker's entrance takes about three weeks. Like, even for Undertaker standards, it's a fucking long one. And there's a bit of commentary by uh, Gorilla there. It says, Yoko would be quaking in his boots if he was wearing any. <laughs> God, God, Gorilla, your hero. Um, and I will say that oh, Rodney Anui does a great job of looking absolutely petrified of the Undertaker and of the yeah. casket, which I think is a really good thing. And then he hits a rock bottom on the yeah. Undertaker at one point. I was like, oh, no, that's a nice little bit. Chuck Norris is absolutely fucking stealing a living during this match. <laughs> He's doing absolutely nothing, adding no value to it whatsoever. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Gorilla Monsoon says, he's padding his feet. He's padding his feet. He's very excited about that. <laughs> he's very excited. Um, but it's boring. It's not. It's, it's rubbish Undertaker at this stage. I mean, he's still he's still cool. You know what I mean? The Undertaker's still a cool character, but his in-ring work is it's not where it would be. He's still going, go, going pretty well for such a big guy. Like, he's still kind of hitting the ropes pretty nicely and stuff like that, but he's not he's not at the level that he would get to later on. And Yokozuna, I think, is probably quite a decent worker, but he's just so bloody big that you know, a lot of what his moveset is extremely limited by his size, I think. But it's not very good. But Jim Cornette gets knocked out in it. So you can't complain too much, can you? <laughs> well, I think a couple of words, just a couple of thoughts on that. Like, you're right about the Yokozuna size. I mean, obviously, he is too big. But I like I like what Yokozuna does. I've always thought he's a little bit underrated in terms of what he can do in the ring. Uh, the Undertaker, I don't think he's bad in the ring. I, it's deliberate. No, yeah. you know what I mean. It's it's not. He's trying to be slower. He's trying to do things that don't necessarily mean he has to do much because that's the gimmick. Yeah. So, um, I think that there's a degree to which I give him a pass for a lot of his work. And also, look at his opponents during this period. It's just so, he's just so yeah. unfortunate. 
I, I give him a pass. I, I agree with you 100%, but it still doesn't make for an entertaining match. No, absolutely not. No. So, you know, that's oh, where I come from. I find this very confusing because you've got Yokozuna, who is enormous, right? But The Undertaker looks like a wee Ben next to him. But you've got a casket match where the idea is that you incapacitate your, your opponent for long enough that you can wheel him over to the casket, shut the lid, lovely old job. Why do this with Yokozuna when you can't really do any power moves on him? I was very confused by this. But I thought, you know what, it's going to be a flip fest anyway. I don't know what I'm worried about. <laughs> but it's going to be like watching the young is, bucks. The yeah. Um, that being said, I kind of got past that. And this is okay for what it is. Predictably, there's shenanigans. Good to see IRS. Because Monsoon asks the question during the elimination match that we just watched. Where's IRS? The question we ask every week. And he's here, getting involved and in giving a thumbs up to Mr. Fuji. And Jarrett obviously gets his head knocked off. But this, no, no, no. I'm sorry, it's just not for me. This is just not enjoyable. I didn't enjoy watching Yokozuna when he got massive, even when I was young, because I kind of felt the pain. Like It was really hard because he is, he's blown up in this match, I reckon, about three minutes in. And you can see it in his face. And I was just like, oh, it's all making me a bit sad, to be honest. Yeah, not, not really for me. I've never been a big one for casket matches anyway. because I think they're shit. Because I think they always, it's always the same shit. Someone goes in, then they stop the lid coming down. And someone else goes in, so they stop the lid. And then they do that for a little bit. And then it's just kind of all done. And then I'm like, oh, cool. That's all right. One thing I did notice at the end. They're very keen to get that casket out of the way. Did wonder if there is a genuine bit of claustrophobia for old uh, Yoko, which I can fully appreciate being very claustrophobic myself. But because of his size, two refs have got to push him out there and they do a sterling job. Big respect to the referees. They should have worked the match, I think, because, yeah, I'd probably enjoy it a bit more. Ends on a very damp note, this pay-per-view. I think the uh, reason they get him out of there sharpish is because he's now going to disappear for about four months you're not going to see him for about four months so i think oh. the idea is here is similarly to the undertaker obviously the undertaker mm. took a long period of time off after his loss they're now doing the same with yokozuna he's going to be disappeared for a while and doesn't return until wrestlemania the following year <laughs> so i think that wraps everything up on the show so what i what is our final thoughts our overall thoughts our score um shall i go first given that obviously i've seen this a load of times i'm giving this a I think actually a favourable, but we'll see, four out of ten. I don't think this is very good at all, to be honest. The best match for me is the opener, the match between Shawn Michaels, etc. And and I think it could be an excellent match. It's you know, the first thirteen minutes before the elimination start, it's like this is this is rolling along lovely. And I still felt like they were in the feeling out process even then. But mm. I was like, this is really nice. You know, they've the heat's in it. There's the lots of lovely little combinations of wrestlers they've, they've had. We've had some nice stuff from the one, two, three kid, some good stuff from Jarrett, some lovely stuff between Owen Hart and David Boy Smith. And we could still have potentially Sean and Razor have, you know, restart their feud, which obviously they had that went gone into WrestleMania 10. So, up to that 13 minute point i'm like this could be an excellent match and then you have the sort of the diesel push and then of course you don't even have razor fighting back against the five because pretty pretty much as soon as he gets five on one with them they all get counted out and you kind of mm. ends in a really really disappointing way then after that you've got the doink versus jerry lawler stuff then you've got the backland bret hart epic which i didn't 
I didn't think was particularly good. Then you've got the awful Survivor Series match of the Lex team against the Million Dollar team. And then you've got the awful main event. <laughs> so I, I think giving it a four is probably being quite kind, to be honest. But I have given it a four because I think it has to get, in my mind, at least an extra couple of points, if not maybe just one point four. In fact, I've just seen it so many times. So it must be doing something right. Um, my MVP is Owen Hart, without a shadow of a doubt. He's just fantastic through that period where Brett's in the um, the chicken wing. And yeah, that's my assessment of this show. Old man, why don't you go next? Okay. Uh, I'm struggling with this rating because I'm a bit like you, Tiggy. So thoroughly enjoyed the opener, but it's got all the things that you noted there are against it because that's, like I said, 10 minutes away from being an absolute barn burner. Agreed. Don't care for the uh, doinking and all that stuff. Born. They didn't get to hear doinks, heel music. What's the fucking point? Enjoyed Backland Heart very much. So the last two matches are shit on a plane. Apart from Jimmy Dalray and Adam Bomb. But two feathers don't make something not shit. Let's go with that. What a saying. <laughs> Pithy. Yeah, yeah. No, they don't call me bold Shakespeare for nothing. I believe uh, that that was a uh, that was a a well known expression by Vern Gagne, wasn't it? You yeah. Say that. <laughs> Another one. Wow. You all come out on this show. Ah, uh, I'm gonna give this a four also. I think because I think mm, uh, I don't know. No, I'm gonna go three. I'm gonna go three because I think I hadn't watched this before and it was actually worse than I was expecting and I was expecting a four star showing. So if it's worse, I'm gonna go less. So I'll go three. <laughs> My MVP is Shawn Michaels' hair because I haven't seen Tinky so angry about something in years. And he's an angry man, listeners. Uh, and my match of the night, I'm going to have to go the opener. I really enjoyed Backlund of Bret Hart, but I would never watch that again, I don't think, because it's 35 minutes and I'm busy. But I would watch the bad guys defeat the Teamsters again if I had 21 minutes and 45 seconds spare. Cool. Thankfully, that wasn't the name of the So Solid Crew song. Otherwise, that would be quite the chore to sit through. <laughs> 21 seconds to spare. No, 21, <laughs> 21, minutes, minutes. 21 minutes and 45 seconds to spare. Oh, God. Yeah, that'd be a long song, wouldn't it? Um, so my uh, overall rating, I'm giving it a four as well. I think the reality is it's probably a three, but it's got the nostalgia for me. So I'm going to give that a little bump as well. Um, the, ma- the There are some poor matches on here. The best match, in my opinion, and my match tonight is Bret Hart versus Bob Backlund. It surpassed my expectations because I can remember not liking it for the reasons I detailed before. So I'm going to go for that. I'm going to go for my MVP. I'm going to go Stu Hart because of his incredible charisma. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great stuff. Okay, fair enough. Right, well that sums it all up for us. So it's time for the game. I don't know if Tom, I don't know if old man is going to be able to survive. Sorry, right, I'll be alright. I'll I'll right. I'm expecting a good showing from both of you boys. All right. So I did have a game already made a while ago, um, but I decided to go against it. I decided to fuck that one off because I wanted to have a Survivor Series related game, which is what we've got now because we discovered a Survivor Series show. So what I want from you there, I've this is a, mo- a mammoth list. Eighty-seven people. Bring it on. People who have been in the main event at one of the Survivor Series pay-per-views. Oh, mate. <laughs> I don't know if that was a thank for the treat or what the fuck are you doing to me? I've already run one marathon. Now I've got to run another. Yeah. There, as you would expect, there are some absolute belters in there. 
and they're yeah. some absolute stinkers. Oh, there's a couple of absolute rotters in this list, and I can't wait to read them out to you, boys. Uh, <laughs> or even better, I can't wait for you to get them. Now, there are a couple of I'd like to gauge your opinion. So, for example, there is a gimmick change, but it's the same performer. How do you guys relate to that? Do you want? I think we should get the gimmicks because I think it's okay. a bit harder. Perfect, excellent. That makes it easier for me. So let's go, uh, old man. You go first. Uh, mankind. Yes, he is there. I thought you were going to be like, no, he's, he's not there. No, no, but I, I didn't. I didn't see him on the list earlier. But oh, thank Christ, he was there. Well, I'm going to go for the show that old man must be thinking about, which is The Rock. Uh, yeah, The Rock is in there as well. Uh, Bret Hart. Bret Hitman Hart. Yes, he is in there. Good. Headline Survivor <laughs> Series '97. <laughs> oh, Shawn Michaels. Oh, there you go. The layup <laughs> for you. There are a couple of double entries on here as well. Because oh, they were, they were misses. Yeah, because uh, they were also in tag teams that were in main events as well. So heads up. I'll go Yokozuna. Correct. We just watched him Undertaker. and talked about him. And him too. Fucking hell, guys. <laughs> Stone Bold. Yeah, Steve you Austin. know it. You know it. Um, Diesel. Diesel. Big Daddy Crust. Diesel. Oh, I love the old job. Triple H. Oh, look at that. He's playing the hits now. There we go. Triple H. <laughs> okay. Lex Luger. Lex Luger. Yep, there he is. Or Lex Express himself. Sexy Lex. <laughs> Sexy uh, legs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Magnificent legs on that man. Big big legs set Luger. Uh, <laughs> uh Randy Orton. Randall Keith Orton, as his Christian name is, is on that list. Kane. It's gotta be Kane. Yeah, that's the old man's thing. He always says, I'll just name that for him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Edge. Oh, yes, he is on there. I was going to say, right between. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm going to go for Andre the Giant. Andre, yes, he is on there. Oh, this is this is where I think he's going to have me, because he's got that little backup knowledge that I don't have. Uh, Hogan. Hulk Hogan. He is on the list as well. I mean, my advice to you boys is just think of people who have been in the main event, main eventers. <laughs> that that sounds about right. That sounds like a good idea. Um, how about I go? Let's let's, let's have a bit of fun shall we, with this one. Bobby the Brain Heenan. I deleted him off this list because well, I assumed he was in the match as a, as a manager. But you're not. You're right. I remember he is in the match as well, isn't he? And he's got an awful singlet on. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I yeah I'll let you have that. I had a bit of a brain fight there. So yeah, you're right because he was in it. Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns. He has also been in the main event of a Survivor Series match. See, I think this is the thing. Oh, man, I might have the backups, but actually I don't know a lot in the last 10 years or so. I couldn't tell you for love nor money who was in them. But I could guess. At, no, I'm not, I'm not even going to guess. I'm just a bit worried because there are so many I know. I'm not going to guess at some of them. Sid. <laughs> Psycho Sid. He is there. I just need to find him, but I know he's there. Yeah, Psycho Sid. I take it we're not doing the multiple hits. Right. No, no. Damn it! What do we so mean I've by got... the multiple hits? I'm uh, like, like, like what we've had the last few weeks, whereas like, you get three. Oh, I yeah. see. There's um, two. Do you know what? You see the state of that Wikipedia page? It's hard work. <laughs> Lesnar. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Well, Brock Lesnar. Yeah. No, Brock Lesnar. <laughs> um, Ludwig Borger. Yeah, oh, it's me. Well done. I'll give you the points myself. If you get, there's one other absolute stinker on here. 
And I'll give you the points in myself if you get them. Vladimir Kozlov. <laughs> oh, he is on there. He's not on there, mate. Yeah, he is. <laughs> Bloody is. He, he's, he's having a one-on-one match with Triple H. It's meant to be a triple threat. And then Edge makes his comeback. Survivor Series, what, 2011? No. Or seven? Not in the main event, he's not. What? Hang on, i, I got to check this because I'm losing my mind. This is uh, this one's gone to the panel, the uh, the, yeah. dubious, the dubious goals panel. They're uh, uh, conferring on this one. It's not the main event. It's 2008, and it was one no. under the main event. Now, as oh. this is a big bastard of a game, do we continue on and give lives? So I didn't say that at the beginning. So we've got what? loads more. Uh, uh, that's what I was getting at when I said multiple hits. Oh, uh, I thought you meant points. I thought you were talking about no. points. Uh, I can barely see, let alone talk. Okay, fair enough. Right. In which case, Tinky is the winner, I declare. Unless he doesn't get someone miraculously. Well, I'm gonna I'll go through the list that I've got. Okay. So I've got King Kong Bundy. Okay. Uh yep. Rick Rude. Uh yep. Randy Savage. Yep. Haku. Uh yep. Um Rick Steiner. Well, yeah, so I've got the Steiner brothers. So I'm I'm assuming you're probably gonna say Scott. Scott Steiner, yes. Chris Jericho. Yep. Kurt Angle. Kangle himself. Dolph Ziggler. Yep. Big Show. Yep. Shane McMahon. Uh, yep. Okay. Ultimate Warrior. Yep. IRS. Ah, uh, no, but I've got him as Money Inc. I'm, 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 con- okay. I, I, I'll come back to that because I think he is on his own in a main event as well. 91, I believe. No, it's like, it's, he's not. He's not in the main event, IRS. Not 91. Okay. Um, fine. Cool. Uh, so that that's no, probably... you're right. He is. So I yeah. he's gone. I don't know where he went. Don't know where he left. Yeah, it's a triple. It's a triple threat tag. Hawk, Hawk and animal. Yeah. Earthquake and typhoon. Yeah. Uh, big boss man. Oh yeah, there he is. Big big, big boss man. Okay. <laughs> um, hillbilly Jim. Yep. One man gang. Yep. Um, Jacques of the Quebecers. <laughs> yeah. Crush. Yep, there he is. Now this one might be wrong. Red Rooster. He's in there. The Red Rooster. <laughs> um, and they're pro- they're going to be. This others, is fa- but- hang on. This is fantastic. I think the listeners have fucking got this. This is history in the making. Yeah. Well, I, so, I haven't I haven't listened to many others, but I was going to guess at CM Punk and John Cena. Yeah, both in there. So I'll go through the rest of the list uh, myself. Um, so starting in alphabetical order: uh, Akeem, Arn Anderson, Bam Bam Bigelow, Batista, Bailey, Becky Lynch, Bobby Lashley, Bobby Roode, Booker T, Braun Strowman. Butch Reed, Carlito, Chris Benoit, Chris Masters, Daniel Bryan, uh, Don Morocco, uh, Drew McIntyre, Eric Rowan, Finn Balor, here's the other stinker, Gene Snitsky, uh, Gold, Goldberg, Hercules, IRS, oh, there's IRS, I missed there, I missed there. He was under Irwin, I was looking for IRS. Jim Neidhart, JBL, Old Man Forgot Him. Oh, Ken. Okay. <laughs> Again. <laughs> uh, I'm going to have to call him again. Sorry, Ken. Again, Patera. That's what his name is. <laughs> um, King Booker. Is all, that was what I was talking about, about different gimmicks. I don't know if we would have counted him as the same person, but King Booker. Koku Beware, the Legion of Doom, the aforementioned Legion of Doom. Luke Harper, Mark Henry, Maven, Miz, the Natural Disasters, Paul Orndorff, Paul Roma, R-Truth, Rick Martel, Rob Van Dam, the Rockers. Again, a double entry for Shawn Michaels there. Uh, Samoa Joe, Seth Rollins, Shayna Baszler, Shayna, uh, Shinsuke Nakamura, my daughter, Ted DiBiase, T2, 
T2, Tito Santana, Wade Barrett, and the Warlord. Uh, in not my favorite incarnation of the Warlord, but he has a great Survivor Series 1990, so can't <laughs> argue with that. Final, um, what's the, what um, they call it? The, the Great Team of Survival or something like that? Yeah, something like that, yeah. I'll be honest, lads, even if I'd not gone early with my Kozlov node, oh, I think he would have wiped the floor with me. It would have been embarrassing. But I'm thinking. Uh, it, was a good, it was a good showing, regardless. It was. Well, no, not particularly. But. Well, you know, you've got 20 odd miles on me, so, you know, in fairness. Yeah, well, the thing is as well is that so I had a couple of questionables and I would have eventually got down to Tommy's favourite Dean Ambrose and he went in there. Yeah, so I would have been fucked. I'd have fucked by the Ambrose again. Okay, so I think I'm going to close proceedings at that moment in time. (laughs) Old man, thank you for your contributions today. That was the wrong way around. Old man, thank you for joining me today. Ah, no problem. Hang on, so not my contributions as well? No, no, I don't value them ever. (laughs) <laughs> well, in, fair, in fairness, I'd like to uh, I'd like to thank my mum and my dad for making this show possible by having sex back in March of 1983. But don't think about my mum and dad doing the wild thing. <laughs> Just remember, temper terror. Uh, Tom, thank you for your contributions as well. I think about the dirty custard that spawned old man. <laughs> <laughs> This has been the Random Wrestling Review. We'll be back next week with another Survivor Series episode. But until then, take care.